Yeah, I thought they played good. I thought Josh played really good. Um, you know, it's just a feeling. It's not based on you know anything I've watched yet, but it just felt like he played really good. And if he's playing good, yeah, I expect those guys next to him to, to be locked in as well. Um, uh, say, I'm not done yet. Oh, Thank perfect. you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, anyway. God, I'm sorry. Now I forget where my story was going. Ah, damn it, Dale. We all expect them to beat Detroit tonight. We're not hinging on the results of this game. Hit your reads, make your throws, get your touchdowns. That's what I'm looking for. I don't really care about the final score. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I want to talk about some of the dirty details from this game. Yes, absolutely. I'll break it down, all the angles, all, all that typical day after stuff. But I also want to attack this game from a slightly different angle. I want to get deep, not deep into the game, but deep into us, you and me, Packers fans. We're going to hear some highlights, a couple quotes from Rodgers. Sure, sure. Yes, all of that. But I think to really understand how Packers fans feel about last night's game and what last night's game means a game that the Packers won 35-17, which I'm sure you know by 4 p.m. the next day, right? I think we need to think about the philosophy of Packers fans, our feelings about our team, our emotions, you know, all all that garbage. Because I don't think we can talk about last night's game without talking about really the last 10 years and the last couple of months especially and how the previous however many months or years have shaped us as Packers fans. Because I think 2011, 2012, 2014, 2016, 2019, 18, 20, I think all of these seasons with Aaron Rodgers culminating up to this one, which could be his last, have kind of shaped the way that we watch these games and the reaction to last night's win from all different sections of Packers fandom who feel all sorts of different ways about different people in different games. I I find it very interesting. This season is unique. And maybe I wouldn't be saying this if they didn't get blown out by the Saints last week. But I think the offseason, the drama, the constraints contractually and and financially on the season made for an interesting setup. And then when they got blown out last week, I think it really, really put an interesting light on this season. And that continued last night. So we're going to talk about the X's and O's. Oh, yeah. The trenches, all that stuff. Got to have a burner, wide receiver. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. But... I think the mindset of Packers fans and how that mindset has been kind of shaped over the last decade is really important. And I think it impacts the way that we watch last night's game and the way that we react to it. Does that make sense? 35-17, the final score. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you enjoyed the game last night. It wasn't too terribly stressful. Little nerves maybe in the first half, but that was good. Otherwise, the game would be boring. We needed some entertainment. Jared Goff and the Lions started out pretty good, and then they just couldn't hang. And then the Packers ultimately pulled away. So I hope you enjoyed the game last night. I watched with some friends. And unlike in week one, the game wasn't over in the first five minutes. So you could actually enjoy and uh, have fun and laugh and get some enjoyment out of the game. Unlike last week. It felt like week one, honestly. The actual week one against the Saints felt like such a throwaway game that we couldn't really do much with it. I think last night actually felt like week one. We're going to talk a lot about this game tonight. Mike Clemens will join us at 530 to give us the rub little bit of a rundown. Aaron Rodgers' press conference was interesting. I thought Matt LaFleur's press conference was really educational. 
about the way this offense clicks, especially the way that Aaron Jones performed last night. We got a good chunk of data on how important Aaron Jones is to this offense. And I say Aaron Jones, not necessarily the running game, because I think it's a really common trap for football fans in 2021 to fall into. Well, when we run the ball well, we win. Well, it's it's not that simple. Establishing the run is a myth. Those stats that say, well, when a team rushes for this many yards, they're 10-0, is not predictive. That's not good data. I don't think the rushing game is the end-all be-all for this team, but Aaron Jones might be the end-all be-all. He was fantastic last night, and if you were playing against him in fantasy or you had him on your team, you certainly knew that he had four touchdowns last night. Uh, one rushing and three receiving. He was, oh, it's fun to watch. So Matt LaFleur's presser, Aaron Rodgers' presser. I'm sure Mike Clements will maybe give us a touch of some other voices from the pressers last night as well. He'll join us at 5.30. I want to do Joe Barry's defense at 4.30. I don't even, yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Joe Barry, we need to talk more about that. Love to talk to you. Send me a text, 608-796-2558, the talk and text line, and Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Follow and tweet me. There. Let me start by making myself clear. This is the headline, I think, for me today. You might not feel the same way, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not telling you how to feel. But this is my feeling. Last night was the least satisfying Packers win in a while. Yeah. Yep. Even last year when there was that really underwhelming game against the Panthers, and then they beat the Niners on, what was that, Sunday night or Monday night, where the Niners were really banged up, and it was just kind of a boring game. Last night was the least satisfying Packers win that I can remember in a while. I'm absolutely glad that they're back to one and one and their season is back on track and they have some good energy going into two tough games, one in San Francisco next week and then Pittsburgh the week after. That's good. But I'm not scrambling to YouTube seeing if the NFL highlight video is up for the game. I'm not watching press conferences, soaking it all in. I'm not reading articles. I kind of moved on already. We beat the Lions. Great been beating the Lions twice a year for basically my entire lifetime. And I don't want to be a wet blanket today. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just telling you how I feel. That Packers win was the least satisfying win I can think of in recent memory. But I don't want to be a wet blanket. So here's what I'm going to do. I have a good plan, I think, on how to tell you how I feel and attack the show today. I'm going to tell you my feelings about this game, which in some ways are kind of negative. But I'm going to do so with a really chipper, positive delivery. With a smile on my face. Can you tell by my tone? Upbeat. And excited. So this way we can discuss maybe some negative-ish things about the Packers in a win. There's a lot of good things, too. But I want to talk about those negative-ish things in a positive way. I don't want to ruin the mood. I don't want to kill the vibe. That's not why I'm here. And I don't really want to make this about Rodgers, at least to start. I don't want to get into the presser and be like, oh, he said this. This is dumb. And why is he so weird? Man bun this. And uh, beard that. Oh, Shailene Woodley. (laughs) Why is he hanging out with Miles Teller? He's playing like dump. No, we're not. Not doing that. I don't want to do that. I want to talk about the game, at least for a bit. And we'll get into the press conferences and talk about some of that other stuff. Last night was the least satisfying Packers win for me in years. Still a win, yeah. But not super satisfying. And I know some of you may hear that way of thinking. I don't know if I tweeted about this last night or not. Some of you might hear that and you think, wow. Packers fans, you spoiled, 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 Billy. You're You're like a trust fund baby. Your allowance gets cut by $2, and you freak out. Never had a real job. You don't know what life is like in the real world, what Vikings fans go through on a week-to-week basis, and Bears fans, Bears fans never had a quarterback. You're complaining about Aaron Rodgers. You spoiled little baby. Packers fans are spoiled. I didn't make the rules. I was just born into this fandom. I didn't have a choice in the matter, so I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah, the Packers are good. 
we've enjoyed more success than most NFL teams in the league since Aaron Rodgers took over. Really, other than, I mean, which teams have won multiple Super Bowls? I guess the Chiefs have now been to multiple, the Patriots. But other than that, I mean, who's been better than the Packers? I know it hasn't always been fun. It's been a little clunky, and it's just been heartbreaking at times. But there aren't many other teams or players that have enjoyed more success than us, Packers fans. So we are privileged. Absolutely. We get used to going to the playoffs, losing in the NFC Championship game, normally in a horrible fashion, and then coming back the next year and doing it again. Buying in and having the roller coaster crash the very last turn and all of our hopes and dreams as fans come crashing down. Packers fans, part of that privilege is that we think like contenders and we watch these games, especially in September, with the mindset of a contender. We don't typically over-celebrate beating the Lions at home, or we shouldn't. And trust me, nothing is a given in the NFL. The Packers lost by 35 points last week, so I'll take the win, absolutely. Stack it. Packers are 1-1. One one. They scored their first touchdown of the season last night. I'm not going to complain about that. I'm not going to apologize for getting a win. But I think the Packers, much like we cheer on our Brewers, and I keep telling you this season, we're fans of a contender team. We don't get bent out of shape for the Brewers after pulling a starter in the seventh inning. Yeah, it's a complete game. Screw that. We want to... Win a World Series, right? Well, at least I I try to think that way. I don't think everybody does. And I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. But I think Brewers fans right now, we're thinking like contenders. We're thinking weeks in advance. Not, not tonight. Oh, they play the Cardinals tonight. Okay, nice. I hope they win. If they don't, bigger fish to fry. Same with the Packers. Oh, they beat Detroit in week two. Wake me up when the playoff picture starts to come together and we can see maybe or not they'll get past the NFC Championship game again, right? We think with a different mindset. We watch with a different mindset. We focus on bigger and better things. That's why I'm not playing highlights of last night's game. Oh, Robert Tunyon call. Oh, touchdown. Great. Throw up the middle. I'm not going to over-celebrate last night's win. It was nice. The step in the right direction. Now, to talk about some of the X's and O's, I think there were a few nice boxes that were checked. Because after week one, nothing went well. Defense was crap. They got no pressure on Jameis Winston. They were bad in coverage. Or Kevin King was bad in coverage. They're bad tackling. They're bad at everything. Got dominated in time of possession. The offense was bad. Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over. The offense had no flow. There was no running game. There was no passing game. They were 0 for on third down. They weren't converting anything. They weren't scoring in the red zone. It was a mess. It was terrible. Special teams were bad. Every part of that game was bad last week. So, really, in any in any type of game last night, the Packers weren't going to get better. I noticed a few boxes that were checked that weren't checked in week one. It's like, nice. All right, we, that's a step in the right direction. I thought last night was a step in the right direction. They didn't audible away from the run. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was checking out of run plays, maybe to the degree that we saw last week, except for maybe on the second drive of the game. He took a deep shot to MVS, underthrew him, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter last night. I'm not going to say who started the conversation, but I think we all know maybe who it was. Said, oh, that was lazy play by MVS. He didn't come back for the ball. Well, he was open. Aaron Rodgers underthrew him. MVS just can't turn on a dime, stop and come back the other way. How about Rodgers throws that ball a little farther in front of him? And then the rest of the game, he was overthrowing him or throwing him at his feet. Rough luck night for MVS. He could have had a couple of touchdowns, but Rodgers wasn't finding him. The second drive of the game, missed a deep shot to MVS, five-yard shot to Adams, and then he ran into a sack. Elton Jenkins' left tackle was beat, and Rodgers rolled right into it. Other than that possession, they didn't really check out of or audible away from the run. They let the offense run through Aaron Jones, who had 17 carries last night. And at one point during the game... I was writing down kind of as a joke in my notes. It's like, I remember when Skip Bayless once argued 
that Aaron Jones was the best Aaron on the Packers and not Aaron Rodgers. And for a certain stretch of this game last night, that actually looked like it might be the case. And then, you know, three or four amazing throws, one way down the sideline to Adams that he dropped in a bucket, one right over the shoulder of Alex Anzalone, the linebacker, right into the hands of Tunyon down the seam. There were a couple of great throws. But other than those throws, Aaron Rodgers was so hum. He was running the offense. And Aaron Jones looked like the flashy offensive player that makes the offense cook. And as we're going to talk about at 520, when I talk about Aaron Jones, it's not about establishing the run. That's not the point. It's about sustainable offense. Where are you getting easy yards? Where are you getting the freebies? And Aaron Jones is such a good instrument to pick up those easy yards. Whether it's in the running game, he was good in the running game last night, 17 carries for 67 yards. He didn't have any big explosive plays, but he was effective on just about every carry. And then he had six catches as well, and that's where he really did his damage. Last night, Aaron Jones, six catches, 48 yards, couple of touchdowns, actually three receiving touchdowns. One was on a tap pass, but still a catch, still a reception, right? I thought that was good. They ran through Aaron Jones, who, I mean, him and Devontae Adams, you can make a case who's the better player. Aaron Jones, you can get involved in all sorts of ways, and that's how they pick up easy freebie yards, and they need to do more of that. They did none of that last week. That was a box that they checked. They got Cobb involved. I don't know how important that is to this team, but I guess if you're going to have him, you might as well think about how to best utilize him. He was targeted last night in the exact type of situations that I expected Aaron Rodgers to target Cobb. Third down, fourth down, red zone, big moments where you got to have it. Who do you trust? He had an opportunity to go to Cobb on fourth down last week. Cobb was wide open, ran a great route right at the sticks, looked past him, took a shot to Tunyon instead, picked up the P.I. and the first down, but still, you wanted Cobb back, I assume, because you can trust him on third and fourth down. Why didn't you look for him? He was wide open. Well, he did last night. Cobb had three catches, and two of them were on third down, and both were conversions. Third and 14, Cobb picked up 14. Third and seven, Cobb picked up nine. I thought that was a good sign. Again, I don't think Cobb was necessary on this team. I don't think he makes them worse. I just don't know how much better he makes them. But if he's there, you might as well brainstorm the best way to use him. And I think that's on third, fourth down, red zone. We saw that last night. That made sense. That's a nice box that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers checked. Aaron Rodgers also attacked the middle of the field. That touchdown to Robert Tunyon felt like it was a throw out of Super Bowl 45 where he was zinging one to Greg Jennings right down the pipe. Right? That looked like a throw to Jermichael Finley, who he went at on Pat McAfee's show today. Great. We don't really need to talk about that. But funny enough, that's what it reminded me of. Going down the seam, attacking the middle of the field and zipping it in in between defenders to Greg Jennings. That's what that touchdown to Tunyon reminded me of. That's a good sign. We need more of that because I think Rodgers has become a little bit more reclusive as years have gone by. He doesn't attack the middle of the field as much, which keeps your receivers healthier and avoids turnovers, yes, but sometimes the middle of the field can be exploited. I think he looked to do that last night. He also missed MVS badly a few times. And like I said, it wasn't a lack of effort. I saw somebody, okay, it was Bill. Bill tweeted last, Bill Michaels, who was off today, Ebo was in, but Bill tweeted last night, like, oh, MVS has got to come back for the ball. Rodgers underthrew him. I don't think MVS even saw the ball because when he turned and looked over his shoulder, the ball was so poorly underthrown. I don't, I don't even know if MVS knew it was there. And then in the other two targets that were deep, MVS was open, Rodgers missed him. And then on the goal line, MVS rolled, ran this beautiful breaker out onto the inside. Rodgers just threw it at his feet. I don't know what that was. MVS could have had an amazing night. So if you're somebody who had MVS in fantasy, bummer for you. If you're somebody who bet MVS touchdown overs or yards overs, it was there to be had. Rodgers just couldn't connect, which is fine. They ran enough of their offense through Aaron Jones, and the Lions aren't very good. So they were still able to win 35-17. to 17. We're going to get into the defense, Joe Barry's unit, which... Uh, 
Gave me no more reasons to be positive after last night. They're bad. We got to talk about Joe Barry's unit. That's coming up at 435. I want to talk more about Aaron Rodgers and hear just a little bit from his press conference coming up next. And if you're sick of hearing me complain about Rodgers and how he's been all annoying, I'm not going to do that coming up next. But we are going to hear from Rodgers uh, a couple of tidbits from last night's presser. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I know I'm really sarcastic, maybe sometimes hard to read, but on the talk and text line, we got to be more clear. I, I don't know. Sapper texts in and says, Great job, defense. D coordinator Joe Barry, bunch of fire emojis. I don't. Um, is that sarcasm? See, when when I'm speaking over a microphone, you can listen to inflection, you can hear more. I can't tell by your words, Sapper. Are you drunk or are you being sarcastic? Because those are the only two two ways that this could go. Joe Barry and his defense, they they might suck. They might not be like, ooh, 18th in the league. That might be good enough. No, they might they might be really bad. We're going to talk about that in 12 minutes. Thank you for your text. 608-796-2558. Mad Mike also reaches out and says, Hey, Grant, remember, we are now 2-5 and five in must wins. Mad Mike, you are so right. Our teams are now 2-5 and five in games we have declared a must win on the Wisco Sports. Good job, Packers, last night. Our record was really dinged by Badgers basketball. I They really screwed us over there. We're going to be climbing out of that hole forever. I just couldn't quit declaring Badger basketball games must wins. That was... That was frustrating. We're going to be climbing out of that hole for a while. Thanks, Brad Davison and Greg Gard. Didn't appreciate that. We would have, we'd have a solid, solid record in picking must-win games, but Greg Gard and company. Every single possession yeah. of the game. Every I forgot I had that sound effect. Every single possession of the game. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you are so compelled to tweet and be a part of the show that way. Want to hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers. I was very curious to hear the post-game messaging from both LaFleur and Rodgers. Because this game schematically probably coming in was the same. Detroit ran a similar defense as New Orleans. I bet the Packers had a similar game plan, but it was executed very differently. Now, I think it was mostly because Aaron Rodgers actually like focused and tried to play within the offense, and that was the difference. But obviously, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers can't come out and say that, so I was intrigued to say the difference between last week and this week. What was it? The running game, the short passing game, what? Lay it on me. So I, I was interested to hear from LaFleur. We're going to hear from LaFleur and Aaron Jones in about an hour. Mike Clements, by the way, at 535. But first, Aaron Rodgers. I have a couple really quick sound bites here. He was asked about criticism from the national media, which I kind of think is funny because local media has been slamming him too. But yes, just the national media. Let's do that. I, I think that there's, there's even more now than when I started playing. There's so many overreactions that happened on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to to come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. Here's the thing. I don't disagree. The media landscape is all about the hot take, right? Who's got the spiciest opinion? Absolutely, and that's, that's entertaining. You also have to realize that it's entertainment, which I think sometimes people struggle with. Also... And I don't want to argue with Aaron Rodgers here because they won last night. I'm happy about it. The final score, by the way, 35-17. Forgot to mention that. Got to continue to reiterate that. That's what my boss keeps telling me. Mention the stats. Mention the score. Okay. 
worry. I'm, I'm getting better here. I'm learning every day and improving. I, I, when you lose by 35 points, I don't know if any overreaction is unfair. You lose by 35 in a game you were favored. I don't, it's not the rest. It's not the media's job to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I know they lost by five touchdowns, but let's not overreact. Like, no, a team loses by 35 as a favorite. I think anything is fair. I think you just got to take your lumps if you lose that badly. It's not three points. It's 35. Now, if the Packers would have lost by three, people would have been, oh, the offseason really screwed up Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, maybe that's a little bit of a reach. Maybe. If you make a good argument, I'll listen, but I think it's a little bit of a reach. Lose by 35, and you look like you don't even belong on the same field as Jameis Winston. I think just about anything's fair. All is fair in love and war. All takes are fair the day after you lose by 35 points. That's That seems reasonable, right? I'm not going out of my way to slam Aaron Rodgers today. I'm just saying, man, you don't want to... You don't want hot takes coming after you don't lose by 35, all right? Aaron Rodgers says it's also nice to win after a week of nothing but criticism. I just think people like to say a lot of bulls, and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. I also want to be careful, and this is why I'm trying to be level-headed about the Packers. They lose one week, they win the next week. I'm not, I'm not trying to overblow any of this, first of all, because it's a long season, because Packers obviously have much bigger goals than beating Detroit at home. But if one loss doesn't matter... Oh, it's only one game. It's only one week. We can't overreact. Well, then why does one win mean anything? If the trolls come after you for losing one game, then why can you win the next game, also just one game, and say, see, I told you so. Well, what, what, wait wait a minute. You, we, so we can't count that last week because that was just one week, but this this week is all is fair? Okay, well, whatever. Whatever. Not the point. This is, I think, the juiciest, the juiciest nugget from last night. The presser was very interesting. Rodgers was asked if they were overconfident last week, which I think is 100% fair. Like, how do you lose by 35 to the Saints? Were you overconfident? What was it? That's a very fair question, and I think one that deserves longer than a six-second answer, but that's what we got. No, I just guess, I think we maybe tried to show that we cared a little bit more tonight. I think this is obviously an ode to rants of the likes of Bill Cowher, which we listened to yesterday. And you look at him on the sideline, he looks like he really doesn't care. I know it's no time to, to, to panic. Yes, I hear relax, and he'll have a great game on Monday night. But you know, show me you care. Mm. Show me it's important to you, that the team is more important than who you are. And right now, I have not seen that. All right. So Aaron Rodgers saying, well, we saw that last night. Here's, here's what I think is interesting. And I'm, I'm not trying to slam Rodgers here, but I remember earlier this summer when we were in the the drudges of the Aaron Rodgers saga, which I hate that we hated it as a name. The, the Rodgers saga, the drama. I would like, it was just this summer. I think it was in July. We had Danny Heifetz on the show of the ringer fantasy football show. He's a really good writer. He worked in the Washington football team organization for a while. Really interesting perspective and personality. Also a Packers owner, which I learned when we had him on. And he told me at the time, we were talking about Rodgers' personality because at this point, that's all we had to talk about. The Brewers are amazing and Rodgers is interesting. And he referenced a Game of Thrones episode. And it's in the first season. And if you haven't seen Thrones, it's like, sorry, I don't, I don't want to spoil any of this for you, but it's been out for a while. It's like I talked about Breaking Bad a couple of weeks ago. Like, Look, I, I don't want to spoil this for you if you haven't seen it, but also it's been out for a while. So if you want to watch it, just get on it. But I guess if you were planning on getting home tonight and finally starting Game of Thrones, maybe mute the radio, just turn me down for a minute or two. Danny, when we had him on this summer, referenced a scene from season one, 
And it's Tywin Lannister who's like the big intimidating patriarch of the Lannister family. Charles Dance, who's in the crown, like really intimidating guy. And he's in a war encampment and he's skinning a deer. Like could not be more intimidating. The setup of the scene was awesome. He's skinning a deer and his son comes in to talk to him. And his son is all flashy and, and he's a really good swordsman. And he's, he's like a celebrity as far as like this time period would have gone. And he came in to report to his dad, hey, we took this guy prisoner. Who, his name was Ned Stark. We got him. We put him in jail, right? I was going to kill him, but it didn't work out. And his dad, Tywin, is like, well, why didn't you kill him? Why didn't you kill him? What the hell? And this is the conversation. I saved the audio. This is about 25 seconds long. This is the back and forth. But that's the setup, right? Tywin is skinning a deer. Could not be more manly. And his son, Jamie is like, hey, we got Ned Stark. Why is he still alive? Tyrion? Ned Stark. One of our men interfered. Speared him through the leg before I could finish him. Why is he still alive? It wouldn't have been clean. You spend too much time worrying about what other people think of you. I could care less what anyone thinks of me. You know, that's what you want people to think of you. Incredible reference by Danny. He was pointing to this scene and says, when, when Jamie says, well, I don't care what people think of me. And Tywin's like, well, that's what you want people to think. You want people to think that you don't care what people think when deep down you really do. I think Aaron Rodgers wants everybody to think that he doesn't hear the criticism and it goes in, in one ear and out the other. He's not worried about what anybody says. But then in his press conference, he's like, well, we're just showing that we want to care a little bit more, which is a direct ode to exactly what Bill Cowher said on Monday morning, which shows that he was obviously listening and paying attention and he heard. And it obviously struck a nerve because either it was true or Aaron Rodgers was so offended by it and he didn't let it bother him, which you got to motivate yourself somehow. But don't tell us that you don't care what the media says. They're just in it for clicks. When you very obviously listen. I don't care what people say about me. I, I think that's what you want people to think. When deep down, you really do care, but you want to give off this ode that you don't care what people think about you. And Danny made that reference a couple of months ago on the show, and I thought it was brilliant. I'm trying to get Danny back on, but he's a busy guy. Why can't everyone be like me and have no life and all the time in the world? It's frustrating. But I thought we'd bring that back up because I, I thought that presented itself very interestingly in this press conference. No, I just guess I think we maybe tried to show that we cared a little bit more tonight. Ooh. Let's take a break. Talk about Joe Barry's defense because they they sucked. Let's talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We got some texters joining the show, 608-796-2558, who want more slander for Rodgers. They're like, yeah, go at him. Yeah, it's your job. You know, put the screws to Rodgers. I, do we need to dwell on this today? I feel like we did it for a couple of minutes. We listened to his press. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. Ha ha. Move along. I, I thought everyone would want to be uber positive today, celebrate the win, and I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of both. I'm trying to point out the good and the bad. I don't want to be the wet blanket today. When I think deep down, I don't really care about that game last night. Okay, you beat the Lions. Great. Why didn't you do that to the Saints? The Saints aren't that good either. Why didn't you show up week one? Bummer. But I don't want to be that guy. Great. One and one. Moving on with the season. There's some good. There's some bad. A lot of bad with Joe Barry and his defense. We're going to get into that next. Josh in Sparta. Josh says, putting Eric Stokes outside and Jair Alexander into the slot was a good adjustment by Joe Barry. 
Yes. Yes, it was. I don't know where that adjustment came from. I thought that the star position, that's what we're going to highlight in Joe Barry's defense. That's what we read about in the offseason, which is the slot, the corner that moves around. That's what the Rams do with Jalen Ramsey. And I think what teams are realizing, you have a really good playmaking corner who can disrupt the game. Don't just leave him on an island outside. Sure, he can take away a wide receiver, and that's nice. But get him more involved. Get him around the line of scrimmage. Get him around the ball. Make him a part of things. And I think maybe we're going to see more of that. The problem is if you bring Jair Alexander in, who are you going to put on the outside? Eric Stokes, he looked good, but then you need another guy. Is that Kevin King? He has looked the opposite of good. But Josh, Sparta, agree. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. You can tweet and follow and block and argue and all those great things. If you remember last week, I wasn't mad about the defense after the Saints game, despite the fact that the Packers gave up 38 points. And I thought, hey, hey. Look at me. I'm going to be I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to tell everyone, hey, "Hey, you're wrong. Don't be mad about the defense for XYZ reason." No, no, no. no. I'm going to take the high road. Ignore the defense. Hey, give him a give him a pass. The offense couldn't stay on the field. The defense got tired and Rodgers didn't give Joe Barry and, and company a chance against the Saints last week. That was my take. I would now 8 days later like to retroactively change my take on the defense. Retroactive to last Monday. Like when the Brewers put someone on the injured list, retroactive to Tuesday. I, I want to change my take on Joe Barry and the defense retroactive to last Monday. I know they got better in the second half last night, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but through halftime, let's go four quarters against the Saints and act like we're talking at halftime last night. So six total quarters into the season. They could not have been much worse. They gave up seven passing touchdowns, the most through two games ever, in Packers franchise history, and that's incredible given that they only needed a game and a half to eclipse that record. Jameis and Goff combined to go 25 of 32 through six quarters. Packers didn't have any sacks in that span either. By the way, the Packers still haven't had a player register a sack. And I know they got one sack last night. Rashawn Gary was the guy to touch him down, but that's not a sack to Rashawn Gary. Jared Goff was going to throw the ball and it slipped out of his hand, so he fumbled, jumped on it. That sack isn't given to Rashawn Gary. It's simply a team sack. So we're still two games into the season. No Packers player has registered a sack yet. Not good. And I know the defense pitched a shutout in the second half last night, but that's really because Jared Goff is addicted to fumbling and the rain made everything slippery. That's really what happened. Forget the stats. I just gave you some historical precedent courtesy of Rob Domofsky, and I think Matt Schneidman, the athletic, tweeted out some tidbits like that too. Forget the stats. You can see it with your own eyes. And this is what jumped out to me last night, especially in the second quarter right? On a play-by-play basis, when the Lions are lining up, what's your hope as a Packer fan? What was your hope last night? What, what, what was the best-case scenario that you could see happening? Four-yard run? Like, like what is, the, what is the, the play that the Packers defense could realistically make, play in and play out, that would make you go, okay, good, 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 realistically? What, what three, four-yard run? That was basically the worst play that the Lions were getting in that first half. The best case scenario for the Packers is that the Lions would hand it off and they'd get three or four yards, which is still a win for the Lions in a close game on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Packers' defense was doing nothing well. They weren't forcing negative plays. They weren't pressuring the quarterback. They weren't plugging up rushing lanes. They weren't deflecting pass. They weren't doing anything. The best case scenario for the Packers is that they were giving up three or four yards per play, which is too much. And same against the Saints which is amazing considering that neither the Saints or the Lions have great weapons. 
I really like Hawkinson, but that only gets you so far. And I like Cephas, but eh. Saints' best weapon is Marquez Callaway. Next week, they're going to see Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And maybe Brandon Ayuk decides to show up. Maybe Shanahan decides he likes him again. I don't know. Right? Teams coming up have really good weapons. The Steelers have great weapons. They haven't seen good weapons yet. Last night, the Packers' defense reminded me of 2016. It was the bend-but-don't-break defense that didn't carry the Packers through the season, but instead were carried by Rodgers. And game in and game out, we were just hoping, all right, let's see if they can keep them under 40. That's our best chance to win, which is absurd. Right? In Packers fans' years, we've rationalized our bad defenses. We've said things like Chris Collinsworth said this, I think, last year or two years ago about the Packers' defense. They're built to play in shootouts. Remember when he said that? What a stupid... What does that mean? They have a short memory? Okay. You'd hope any good defense has a short memory. That doesn't mean they're designed to play in shootouts. That just means the defense is bad. Packers' defense is bad last night. And I know that they pitched a shutout in the second half, but that's because Jared Goff was fumbling in the rain. He's got tiny hands. It's just an issue. Jared Goff is a problem. And that reared its ugly head. And they got stuffed on one-fourth down. Packers' offense was dominating time of possession in the second half. That, that didn't have much to do with Joe Barry's defense. The, not much changed. I did see a tweet last night from Tom Silverstein. This is a gem. He tweeted, but by the way, Tom is probably one of the most reputable people who cover the Packers for the Journal Sentinel, has for a long time. He says, LaFleur said that he told defensive coordinator Joe Barry to either play coverage or get after the quarterback because playing man and sending just four in the first half wasn't creating any pressure. Barry started to bring pressure more in the second half, and it helped. It didn't lead to pressures or sacks, really, a little bit. What does that say, though? That Matt LaFleur had to go to his D.C. and say, Hey, hey, you want to you you try literally anything? You're not rushing the quarterback, and you're not playing zone. You're just letting him cut you up. Would you pull your you-know-what out of you-know-what? This is Matt LaFleur after the game describing the adjustments that he recommended to his defensive corner. That's a great sign. Well, you, you, you know, you got to give Detroit a lot of credit. They came out ready to play, and, um, you know, I think we did make some necessary adjustments at halftime. One of the things that certainly I talked to Joe about was, hey, either play coverage or we have to pressure because when we were running, when we were doing our four-man rushes um, and playing man coverage behind it, we weren't hit, you know, we weren't getting to the quarterback. So if you don't get him off, off the spot, Jared, I've been around Jared, and he is, he will be efficient and he will make the throws. So we just, we needed to affect the quarterback much more. It's like, hey, uh, either stop playing man coverage or like rush the quarterback or do you change something, please, Joe, for the love of God, please, please change anything. I saw the age old question last night tweeted out by Peter Schrager of Fox Sports. This is stuff for the ringer. It's on NFL Network. He tweeted this, and I laughed out loud when I read it. Joe Barry was Jared Goff's assistant head coach for four years in L.A. Knows Goff's strengths and weaknesses inside and out. Coaching? Or is it just that the Packers don't have the horses up front right now? Which, this question is just the age-old radio question. It's dressed up and disguised a little bit. This is basically asking, uh, is it the cook? Or is it the person buying the groceries? <laughs> Making the meals. Why does the meal suck? Are the groceries not right? Or is it the person? Is it the chef? Is it the person making the meal? I hate that analogy. It's so lame. And I think some of the groceries suck. 
And I think the cook just isn't very good. Why? Like, we'll do Joe Barry in a minute. First of all, let's talk about the personnel. Horses up front? What do you mean? The D-line has sucked for three years. And what did they do? Uh, They drafted somebody in the fifth round, DJ Slayton. And they re-signed Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry, who have been a big part of the problem the last couple of years. Oh, they're still bad? What a shocking development. Knock me over with a feather. And I thought this is the year that Kingsley Kiki was supposed to bust out. What happened there? I've been hearing for years. Well, not, not this year. Next year. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Let me mark my calendar. Next year, Kingsley Kiki breakout season. My bad. He was the worst graded player again on defense for the Packers per pro football focus. And Kevin King? Wait, what do you mean? He got burned again on third down going deep? I, for one, didn't see that coming at all. No way. Also, per pro football focus, Kevin King, six targets last night, five completions, 133 yards. That's actually on the season. He's been targeted six times, given up five completions for 133 yards. That's an average of 26 yards a catch. Good job, Kevin. I think some groceries, some parts of the defense, the personnel stink, but I also think that the defensive coordinator is a bozo, the guy who got hired because he married the head coach's daughter in 2008. He got better in the second half, but it sounds like that's because his offensive-minded head coach was like, hey, idiot, change literally anything. Could not be going worse. Thank you very much. And it started raining. That was probably another great adjustment that the Packers made. We have a couple of texts. One from Schmidt on the north side. Jake, Sapper, Rary. You know what? I'm going to tease. I'm going to say we're going to get to your text coming up next. First, a quick break and an update from our friend Mike Clements. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers beat the Lions 35-17 to on Monday Night Football. It was a huge night for Packers running back Aaron Jones, the first running back since 1942 to score three touchdown catches in a game, and Jones scored a fourth touchdown on a run and was asked what the difference was after a dismal performance last week against the Saints. We need to come out and play our brand of football. Uh, it wasn't so much we're going to run the ball more, we're going to throw the ball more. Uh, It's just executing and coming off the ball fast and, uh, you know, just be ready to play. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. He's so dynamic. He's such a great player in not only the running game, but in the passing game, which three touchdown receptions is a pretty good night for anybody. And he just, he opens up so much for us. After a deep pass to Devontae Adams for 50 yards and a dime to tight end Robert Tunyon in the third quarter for a score, I asked Aaron Rodgers if that opened up the Lions secondary. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they backed up. I mean, they, they were hurting. They had some injuries. They had some young guys playing. But we just tried to get the ball to Devontae at certain times. I missed Marquez a couple times when I had him. Disappointed about that. But, uh, you know, we had a couple of nice uh, screens to Bobby and Devontae did his thing, made some amazing catches and, and great yards after the catch. And then obviously Jones had a, had a big night. So the Packers improved a one and one and fly to California to face the 49ers on Sunday night football. The Lions, who led at halftime, fall to 0-2. New head coach Dan Campbell says their penalties and turnovers were costly. The turnovers, I mean, that was ultimate. That was the big thing. It wasn't like we couldn't run it. It was, I mean, every time offensively we struggle is because we shot ourselves in the foot. Even the, pos- the one possession we didn't score in in the first half was by our own doing. Best Packers coverage. Thank you, Mike. That's Mike Clements in Green Bay last night for the game. He'll join us at 5.30. See if I can get him to bite on any hot takes or anything ridiculous. See if he can remain uh, with his journalistic integrity. I'll try him. I will. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, 
Wisco Grant, the talk and text line. Rary. Rary says, hey, Grant, great show. <laughs> Thank you. People can rip on Rodgers all they want, but there were a couple of throws he made last night that were threaded and on a rope. See Tunyon's touchdown. So you know dang well he's still got it. Probably just needs to knock the rust off a little more, and I think that engine they call the Green Bay Packers chugs right along. I don't disagree. He had some unbelievable throws. And it was his willingness to play within the offense and get the ball Aaron Jones and even I mean, Aaron Jones in the passing game and in the running game. Randall Cobb at times, Devontae Adams. Within the structure of the offense, paired with some of those amazing throws, that's what made him cook. He has a little bit more rust to knock off. He could not hit. He couldn't hit uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling to save his life. Sapper says, Grant, you says Callaway was the only Saints threat. You forgot about Alvin Kamara. Yeah, as a running back, I was thinking more down the field passing threats. They were cut up down the field by whoever. They didn't need a wide receiver, but Kamara as well. Jake says, someone needs to tell the defense that cheeseheads are made of cheddar, not Swiss. Brilliant. Brilliant. Schmidt on the north side says, cue the adjustments soundbite. I, shoot, do I not have that? Uh, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to get uh, Binksy on the phone, and then I'm going to look to see if I have that adjustment soundbite somewhere. I will get on that. Binks, how are you today? What's going on? I'm, I'm doing just fine. How are you, G-Bills? I am swell. The Packers are back on track. They gave us some interesting little nuggets to talk about, so all is well with me. I I read that, and I heard uh, Carney this morning. It sounds like... Uh, after one game, everything is good. So I'm glad that the Packers won. So uh, I wanted to address something with you uh, from Gasper uh, yesterday. Okay. Would you be willing to help me out? Oh, absolutely. We got five minutes. I got nothing planned for the next five minutes. You might as well do a little Brewers thing. Yeah, hit me. <laughs> you, you, might, you might have another caller. Um, okay, so uh, you and Gasper concluded that, you know, it's, it's okay. It's appropriate to... Uh, if they win the Central, uh, you know, pop a bunch of cheap beer bottles, champagne, and mm-hmm. uh, as long as nobody gets hurt, uh, that's okay. And I agree with that because um, health is the number one thing going on here. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the health of the team. So, uh, but I, I wanted to ask you um, with with respect to um, how the Brewers stay right now. Yes, sir. Again, I'm going to date myself by saying I'm I'm twice your age. This is the first time that I've ever known um, after the 1980 season or 81 that the people of Wisconsin, let alone Milwaukee, actually expect the Brewers to win because they've gone to the postseason. I'm trying to overlook last year because we had a losing record mm-hmm. and it was a 60-game reach, but facts are facts. We went to the playoffs four years in a row. So people expect the Brewers to compete, um, whether the NL Central is strong or not. Uh, do you have an opinion on both of those subjects, uh, one being the aforementioned, uh, uh, you know, stay healthy and yeah. uh, you know, go ahead, pop the bottle if you have to, wear, wear some uh, goggles, and, uh, you know, do we actually have the talent um, hopefully Stearns does not go to the Mets. Uh, that's that would be blasphemy, but that would be tough. Um, yeah, it'd be terrible. But do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have it? You know, because you know, you know, when I was, you know, in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, when you know, you always want to talk about the Packers and the Brewers. The Packers were junk. I mean, mm-hmm. it was lucky that they won nine games, uh, and uh, now it's ever since, you know, you know, the last few years, I mean, we've had some great chances. Uh, 
to go to uh, into the postseason. Now they've got a chance to. I, I, I they have a legitimate chance if they're healthy. And uh, it sucks they lost to the Cardinals last night, but it's, you can't win every game. You're but, right about that. Uh, I wanted to see. Yeah, I, and uh, you know what? I know you were going to get on me about the no-hitter. I was surprised <laughs> you haven't called me out on that. <laughs> um, I agree with it. It's yeah. okay. He, he uh, uh, Burns' interview said the whole thing. I, I read his facial expression. He was just like, you know what? I wanted to go out there for the eighth, and he's just like, I- I'm, I'm fine with it. I yeah. mean, you know, Hader comes in, does his job, complete game, you know, no, no hit, everything. That's, it was good. I so think so. It, you know, yeah. Count it. No yeah, I, I, yeah, I think um, so too. I can, I can address both of those points. We got a minute, Binks. Yeah, I can hit that in a minute. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, man. Okay, you take care, man. Yeah, take care, Binks. And sorry, I got to you out, but we got a minute. Uh the the partying thing. That was an interesting point that I threw around because if you look at the Bucks, the Bucks didn't lose their mind partying when they advanced to the finals. They celebrated, but it was rather subdued. And then the Suns were going nuts. And Bucks fans, we love that. Oh, see, job's not finished, right? Very Kobe Bryant. I don't know that that still plays in baseball. You celebrate every series that you win, and and if they clinch the division, I bet they'll pop bottles. But alcohol does hamper recovery time. So maybe if the Brewers are trying to get healthy, maybe we do grape juice, sparkling grape juice. I don't know. Just throwing ideas out here. Just, I'm trying not to be an old man, but just throwing every take, exhausting every possibility. And on your your think about the Brewers competing, they've competed now really for. Five years, because if you remember even the year before, if Manny Pena just would have dropped down that bunt that one time in June, we'd probably be talking about five straight playoff firsts. They came within a, a game of making the playoffs that year, right? So I just think that we expect the Brewers, especially with Craig Council, to get the most out of every player on the roster, every player in the farm system, everybody contributes, and they are the best version of themselves. That's not always going to be as good as other teams. That's not always going to be as good as um, the Dodgers or even the Cardinals or the Cubs based on any given day. But, but it might just be good enough to compete and be in the mix. And I think that's what we expect for the Brewers. Just be the best version of yourselves. That's good enough. That's what we're looking for. And this year, the best version is pretty darn good. Let's take a break. More Packers, but first, an update from Zach. Wisco Sports Show. My name, Grant Bills. Hope you enjoyed the Packer game last night. Beat the Lions 35-17. The Packers now tied first place in the NFC North with the Bears, who are also 1-1. One one. Barn burner division. This division's going to stink this year. Vikings stink. Lions stink. Packers are... Uh, they might stink. I'm still not convinced. Last night was a good step in the right direction. Check some nice boxes. Some of which we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. We're going to get Mike Clemens on the horn here in about 10 minutes to do a wrap-up of what he saw and what he heard, especially in the postgame after last night's game, which wasn't particularly close once you got into the third and fourth quarter. We'll talk with Mike. Coming up in a few, you can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Shoot, I got I to gotta tweet that out because I got I to gotta promote the show more. So when Mike's coming on, I got to tweet like, hey, at Mike Clemens NFL joining me now. Mike gets mad when I don't do that. So I got to remind me right before we take the next break. I got to I got to tweet that out. I want to hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur. We heard from Rogers about an hour ago. The football stuff I, I like to hear about. I could take or leave the media trolling stuff. Although, to be fair to Rogers, I think sometimes like he gets set up for it. Like after the game last night, Lisa Salters asked him, are you a I told you so kind of guy? What the heck? 
What kind of question is that? I think we all are in some ways. I don't, I don't know what they expected to get from Aaron Rodgers, but like that's the reporter setting him up for something like that. A few nuggets from Matt LaFleur and Aaron Jones that I thought were great. Both players really spoke to the details of the offense as a whole and what makes it click, which I think makes us smarter, and it makes watching the games easier and we get more out of it. Aaron Jones last night talking just a little bit about executing the game plan a little bit better than a week ago. We need to come out and play our brand of football. Uh, It wasn't so much we're going to run the ball more, we're going to throw the ball more. Uh, It's just executing and coming out, coming off the ball fast and, uh, you know, just be ready to play. They did not do that last week. (laughs) They might have had the right idea, but the quarterback came out and said, well, I'm going to do my own thing uh, and I'm not really ready to play by the looks of it. I don't think that's an unfair assumption. They lost by 35. I think, like I said, everything's fair when you lose by 35. Matt LaFleur, after the game, talked about the importance of the run game. Because last night, they actually ran the ball, unlike a week ago. And I want to get the team stats up here so we can compare what Green Bay did to what Detroit did. Detroit ran the ball pretty well, and Dan Campbell talked about that. You heard that in Clemens' update last hour, but they just started turning it over, fumbling, especially in the slippery conditions in the second half. Rushing yards. Packers actually had fewer yards. They had 96 to Detroit's 108. Detroit did a pretty good job rushing the ball, but they were efficient. They used it to kind of supplement the rest of their offense. Got Aaron Jones involved. He was super dynamic, and that opened things up elsewhere. And Matt LaFleur talked about the importance of the run game for really the health of the offense as a whole. Um, the run game is absolutely critical uh, for for off, our offense to function at the highest level, and that definitely felt good today. I think Early on, especially, we leaned on the run, and it kind of opened up some things in the passing game. The run numbers weren't fantastic, but it's necessary to the offense. And I want to make a clear distinction here. It's not about establishing the run. It really didn't gain a lot of yards and, and build drives on the back of the running game. It's not about establishing the run. It's about easy, replicable Offense, something that play after play you can go to and get easy yards, yards that don't require five or six seconds of protection, yards that don't require a wide receiver running 45 yards on the field. You need the easy plays. You need the easy yards. And this is why I want to talk about my favorite show, my favorite survival show ever, Dual Survival. It's on Discovery Channel. There's nine seasons. The first couple are the best because that was the original pair, Dave Canterbury and Cody Lundin, the OG duo, the hippie and the military guy. It's incredible, Right. And I thought of this show today because I was trying to think of how to explain replicable offense, right? How can I explain that you need easy yards here and there, whether it's through the running game or through the short passing game? How do you get easy offense? How do I explain this? Well, I thought of an episode of the show where Dave and Cody were in Nova Scotia and they're looking for food. Like, what are we going to eat? And Dave, the military man, wants to hunt. Like, let's kill a moose. Well, That's stupid. And Cody is like, well, no, that's going to take way too much energy. That's not necessary. We can we can find easier food. We can we can break this down and not work so hard. And I recorded this montage of all of Cody's comments from this episode about him hunting and gathering. Listen to this. There's a live clam. To me, these are easy calories to catch. All you need to do is gather them. This is rockweed. It is edible. It's not pizza for sure, but it's something to eat. Like a hunting gathering person, I'm grazing as I'm going and just eating on the fly. Calories. These calories don't run. These are periwinkles. They're just literally all over this little beach. Even though a single periwinkle has minimal meat, the sedentary snails form in dense clusters along shorelines. It's all a calorie game. When you bring back something, you've made that energy you've spent worth it. Yeah, 
<laughs> First of all, voice guy, 10 out of 10 voice. But you get what Cody's talking about. I'm not trying to catch a moose or shoot a moose or however you would kill a moose without any weapon. I don't know. They're like, look, we're going to find clams. Those are easy. Those aren't running away from me. I just reach down and pick one up. Snails, rockweed. I think he said it's not pizza, but it's there. And how he finishes that comment, he's talking about a hunter-gatherer. I want to always make the best use of the energy I have. It's all a calorie game. When you bring back something, you've made that energy you've spent worth it. Think of first down, right? Even if you get two or three yards on first down, it's better than zero. You're closing now. Second down's easier. Now third down is easier. We're talking about all these little, these little food items. He's picking up snails. He's picking up clams. Well, that might not be flashy, and they might not taste great. But that's how you stay alive. That's how you keep going. And in football, right, it's the little bootleg to Robert Tunyon. That's a clam. That's easy. That's, those are yards that don't take a whole lot. It doesn't take some nutty scheme, some wide flea flicker play to pick up six yards. Just throw the bootleg to Robert Tunyon. The crossing route to Aaron Jones for big yards after the catch. That's a little periwinkle just sitting on the beach. Just reach down, pick it up. That's easy yardage. Those are the easy yards the Packers didn't pick up a year or a week ago. Last night, they did a pretty good job. Here's another quote from Cody. This is from a different episode. Time and time again, indigenous peoples have proven it's the little things that keep you going in a survival situation. Mice, rats, bugs, until you get that mule deer. So we can't afford to be choosy in this situation. Aaron Rodgers, he got the, the big meal. He got the mule deer last night. That threaded needle right down the pipe to Robert Tunyon. Oh, that's good. Or the bomb to Devontae Adams down the right sideline right over his shoulder. Those plays are great. But you can't survive off those plays. You, you can't sustain yourself off those plays. You need the easy ones. You need the dinks and the dunks and the easy yards that run, aren't running away. And I thought of dual survival because that's always what Cody preached. He's like, look, you see this clam right here? This isn't running away from me. This was so easy to catch. This is free calories. Bootlegged Robert Tunyon, free, free yards. Free yards. Just dump the ball down. It's easy. It's schemed open. It's efficient. You need replicable easy to pick up offense and last night we saw I think the best way for the Packers to pick up those easy yards with Aaron Jones whether it's in the rushing game or the passing game doesn't have to be about running the ball it's not establishing the run it's about finding easy plays to pick up yards here and there especially on first down right because second and six is a lot better than second and ten and third and five is a lot better than third and ten Aaron Jones is I think the best instrument to use to pick up those really really easy yards let's take a break We'll get Mike Clemens on the horn. Maybe we'll, I'll ask him if he's ever seen that show. I would bet money the answer is no, but maybe it's worth the ask. Mike Clemens coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Big play for this Lions defense. Rogers steps and fires. Adams is there and he's got it. Perfect rainbow from Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's no secret, man. I don't get a whole lot of opportunities where they just allow me to, you know, get over the top anymore. So it makes it tough, but um, great call in a good situation and, um, you know, delivered a perfect ball. I just had to catch it. Wisco Sports Show, that was a big play for the Lions defense and a really big play for the Packers offense. It felt like that, that ball dropped in there. I was like, okay, we can take a deep breath. It's like, oh, exhale a little bit. There were a couple of breaking the seal moments for the Packers last night, I think. When they picked up that third down on their first drive, you're like, okay, we're good. When they hit that ball to Devontae, oh, we're good. Getting back to normal last night, checking some boxes that we didn't see last week against the Saints. And to talk about it with us, our man in the know, Mike Clements, our insider for the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network, who has really been up ever since the end of the game last night. 
uh, covering the team and getting ready just to talk to me, Mike. I know you've been preparing nonstop since the since the game last night. Mike, what's going on? Well, and we've had stories throughout the day, too. And, you know, it's third quarter last night. You went into halftime losing to the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football, and you're thinking, okay, here we go again. And Michael Brockers crushes Aaron Rodgers on a stunt. You know, uh, Elton Jenkins was holding up his guy, but they brought Brockers to swing it around outside of him to pretty much keep Jenkins occupied, and he crushes Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers pops back up, and he stands in the pocket, and he throws that absolute rocket to Devontae Adams. And it was when it happened, I couldn't help but think of something that Adams said to us in a press conference last week preparing for this game at home on Monday Night Football where he said, yeah, you know, the Saints had that uh, shell, that two-shell coverage on us where they got, they're double-teaming me, they're double-teaming Al Lazard. They, you, know, you, you can't get off the line. It's hard to get anything going in the passing game. And then when our running game wasn't working, you know, they're, they're shutting us down. We had all those three and outs in Jacksonville against the Saints. And he said, I had a conversation with Aaron. You know, sometimes we just need to just sort of say to heck with it and be like Patrick Mahomes and Tariq Hill. Just send the guy on a fly and trust that, you know, if you put the ball up, he'll be the one to come down with it regardless of the coverage. And that's the way that play looked to me. And then a couple of snaps later, when he hits Tunyon with that unbelievable uh, throw on the right hash mark for the touchdown, it's like, okay, that's it. They're just going to take some shots. And I thought that that he was backing up the defense and, and, you know, that's the way it was going to go. But the, the real problem last night, was the same problem that they had against the Saints. Mm-hmm. This defense can't get off the field, and it happened in the first half last night. And you saw Kevin King giving up a 40-plus yarder touchdown to the former Badger, Quintess Cephas, who looked pretty good. But, you know, the the, the Lions are, are banged up at wide receiver and on defense at corner. And so Matt LaFleur was asked point blank after watching the game film, about Kevin King's performance. They moved Kevin King from the corner to the slot. So he doesn't have to be so fast, but mm-hmm. he can cover. He's had all these hamstring injuries, Grant. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that's affected his, his speed. He's still, he's still a hard-nosed football player. He, he will tackle guys and wrap up. He's got the long arms. He can get his hands into passing lanes and all that. So they moved him in the slot where actually he did make some pretty good plays. So we asked LaFleur about Kevin King in the slot and then you move uh, Eric Stokes to the corner, and 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 what happened on that play to Cephas? You know, we're not we're never going to make excuses. Um, certainly, I think I thought Kevin, especially when he played inside, he hadn't been doing it very long, and so there's there's definitely some teachable moments um, and and some things that we definitely have to clean up. But I thought by and large, when he was inside, I thought he did a really good job. I thought Stokes coming in on the outside, he competed and had uh, multiple pass breakups. So I, I thought it was um, overall just just everything that went on there, putting Kevin inside w- was, was good for us. You typically don't move guys like Kevin King to the inside. You want the speed and the length to play along the sideline, and you can leverage that size. Kevin King getting moved to the inside kind of feels like a last chance at like, well, maybe he can work here. Even if it doesn't make sense, it's just the one thing they haven't tried yet. Am I reading that correctly? That's a good observation. Maybe this is last chance time. And it's also the way Eric Stokes, the rookie out of Georgia, made that 
deflected pass against the Saints in Jacksonville. And the way he did it again last night in the third quarter, I mean, that was a momentum-changing play when he is able to knock that ball down on the sidelines, deflect what could have been another first down for the Lions and kills their drive. He also did it right at the end of the game. He knocked away a potential touchdown with a deflected pass using his speed with about a minute and a half left in the game, took away a potential touchdown for the Lions. Um, yeah, in the meantime, though, you know, Kevin King is back for a year. He's got the experience, um, and let's get him out there and see if they can find a home for him as they move on. Also, Shannon Sullivan, who has played in that role from time to time, but has failed, you know, against the Bucks in the NFC Championship, he got banged up at the end of the game, and so we'll have to see if he's going to be available for the 49ers. I was watching the defense last night, Mike, and Kevin King wasn't the driving force behind this, but just the way they performed as a whole in the first half. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the 2016 defense, where the best-case scenario was if you could hold him to a four-yard run on first and 10, and if you could hold the team under 40 by the end of the game, that was the hope. That's what I saw in the first half, and hopefully they can get better, and I know the conditions helped them out in the turnovers in the second half, but I saw the 2016 defense. I, I don't feel good about that. Yeah. Um, well, it's also this thing where put some points up. If the offense puts up points, then we'll mm-hmm. get after the quarterback because we don't want to. We don't want to blitz the quarterback and then have the quarterback, you know, hit us on a long ball because uh, some guy is flying down the field in single coverage. But after the game, Lafleur said, "Yeah, we're going to take a look at that." Uh, as if maybe there's something he changed at halftime to say, we've got to get after Jared Goff. He's standing back there with too much time. You know, you're going to have to start sending people to him. Forget about the prevent. Forget about, you know, the deep ball. Um, and Aaron Rodgers talked about that, too. Now, first of all, there was some national writer in the media auditorium at the Rodgers postgame press conference, and he asked Aaron Rodgers this question about, well, you know, there was an Aaron, Aaron, there's a lot of stories written, you know, as if I didn't say this, but there's yeah. a lot of stories written out there that, uh, <laughs> you know, that your performance against the Saints was, uh, like, maybe you're just phoning it in this year. You know, forget about that last dance stuff that maybe you don't really care. It was, you know, it was a very an inspired performance. And then tonight, of course, you know, you've got this 145.6 quarterback rating and four touchdown passes. Um you know, did uh, did you did you answer your critics with this performance? And here's what Rogers said. Listen to him. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> I just think people like to say a lot of bullshit, and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. First of all, Mike, I I feel like anything's kind of fair when you lose by 35. I'm not saying that that conjecture about the offseason or anything is right, but if you, you lose by 35, I feel like you really leave the door open for people to really write any story they want, right? I mean, it's not like they lost by three last week. They got blown out by five scores. Aaron spent the whole offseason telling the Packers, giving them reasons what he wanted changed or that he was thinking about not coming back and that he wanted out. Mm -hmm. And he didn't talk to the media about it. Then he delivered that stunning, dramatic 32-minute press conference at the start of training camp. He goes on the Pat McAfee stream show, and today was complaining about you know, he hates these guys that are in the media that talk about him and what his intentions are, and they don't even know him. They don't even cover the team and that kind of thing. And I'll tell you what, if you want to keep trending, just keep attacking the media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As opposed to just come out, talk football, go home. You know, 
listen to the things that Bart Stark told you all those years, okay? Come in, talk football, help in the community, and then go home. Yeah. And, and, and you'll get paid. So Rogers, though, who, hey, there was guys, there were fans walking around, a few, I saw about a dozen of these, guys wearing T-shirts that say, I'm complicated. Have you seen these? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Complicated fella. <laughs> yeah, I'm a complicated fella. <laughs> yeah, I want one for Christmas. Anyway, Rogers talked about last night, this is his kind of little passive way to say, I need more help from defense in the first half. I need to get the ball back more. And so uh, here's this kind of exchange I had with him last night after the game. I mean, I don't even know if, if that was the prevailing feeling. I think uh, another disjointed game, you know, with the possessions in the first half, basically three possessions, we scored on two of them. Um, so that's back-to-back games of kind of some weird halves for us. But fortunately, we got in the end zone, you know, as opposed to last week uh, just getting three. But uh, I think we got into a flow in the second half. Sometimes it just takes one play. I think the throw over the top to Devontae kind of got us going. And, you know, throw to Bobby, you know, was a was a timely one as well. For sure. From seven stories up, that deep ball down the right side to Devontae in tight coverage and then the touchdown in tight coverage to Bobby. It seemed like the next couple of series, that secondary backed up. Can that have that effect? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they backed up. I mean, they, they were hurting. They had some injuries. They had some young guys playing. But we just tried to get the ball to Devontae at certain times. I missed Marquez a couple of times when I had him. He had a nice job inside release, and I missed him on the goal line. I missed him three times. So he could have three touchdowns. So disappointed about that. But, uh, but you know, we had a couple of nice uh, screens to Bobby, and Devontae did his thing, made some amazing catches and, and great yards after the catch. And then, obviously, Jones had a, had a big night. I feel like Aaron Rodgers saying that it was kind of a weird first half last week. Kind of weird this I, – I feel like that's just a positive spin on saying that they were both kind of bad. Like, it was bad for the defense both weeks. It was bad for the offense last week. It's just some strain of bad both weeks. Like, you can say weird, but it was just, it was just bad, right? Yeah, and but don't take away from what we talked about last week in Sean Payton's game planning. Mm-hmm. And Sean Payton looking at Rams tape and predicting what Joe Barry is going to do on that fourth and seven to keep a 15-play, 10-minute drive. Keep, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field by going four on fourth down and throwing a screenplay when you know the Packers' defense is likely going to be in a zone defense and it's going to be easy for you. I mean, that's, that's good coaching. That's good game planning that you're up against. And so Rodgers there mentioned about, you know, uh, the big play to, to Devontae Adams, to Robert Tunyon, and to Aaron Jones, who right, had 17 carries for 67 yards. That's 3.9-yard average. Had as long as was nine, but you saw him chipping away and chipping away. And earlier in the game, it wasn't a fantastic running game, but it was better than last week's, and they stuck with it. That was the difference. And then um, Jones with the six catches, 48 yards. The longest was 13, but the three touchdowns that he caught. The last time a wide receiver caught three touchdowns in an NFL game was the Chicago Cardinals. The Cardinals, before they went to St. Louis and then Phoenix, there was the Chicago Cardinals in 1942. So we asked Aaron Jones after the game about, you know, how is it that a, a running back like you can be such a hot target? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard when you have 17. Eh? Everybody wants to double them. Um, then you have a speed guy on the outside in 83. Then you got Lazar. So, I mean, Tanya. We have, we have weapons, so it's kind of hard to um, – double anybody else other than 17. Um, a lot of times I get matched up with the linebackers. So 
um, I feel like I should win those matchups 10 times out of 10. Mike, right before you came on, I I was talking about how the Packers offense, maybe they don't even need to run the ball. Jones didn't run with great effective last night. He didn't bust any big ones. But the Packers offense, what they missed last week was replicable little little bites here and there. They didn't have the bootlegs. They didn't have the, the easy plays. And Aaron Jones is just such a good instrument to pick up easy yards. Yards after the catch, little dump downs and mismatches. He's just such a weapon because they can get easy yards with him. And then when you mix in the shot to Adams and the throw up the scene to Tunyon, then you really get the full picture of the offense. But I think the meat and potatoes, the foundation is all the little things they can do with Aaron Jones, right? Yeah, and I thought Aaron Jones looked a little slow last week Ooh. compared to what I usually see him. And he did spend a couple of weeks on the sidelines during training camp with a hamstring thing. So maybe he's not 100%, but he looked better last night. And this was the first home game of the regular season. And, you know, uh, there's this story that uh, I know about Aaron Jones and his his uh, brother, Alvin, who's a linebacker, um, that their dad, Alvin Sr., was in the military. Both their mom and the dad. Mm-hmm. 30 years in the military, moved all over the country, and... You know, the story is that the father would promise these boys, I know it's tough to move you, pull you out of another school and have to meet new friends and everything in a new town. But he said when they would move him to a new town, like the dad would take him right to the sporting goods store, spend four or $500 on new helmets, new shoulder pads, so they could join the Pee Wee Football League. That was, that was the agreement. That was the, the, the trade-off for having to adjust to a new school. Well, Alvin Sr. passed away of COVID at the age of 57, uh, April 6th, he, it was just before the vaccination reached El Paso. He got sick in March and died just as as Aaron Jones was re-signing that contract with the Packers. And so this has all been very bittersweet for him. And I knew in talking to him in the spring, he was going to do something for his dad. Well, I mean, what a hell of a show he put on last night. And he talked about it. He wore this little locket around his neck last night. Uh, that he had his dad's ashes in. Here's here's Aaron Jones talking about that. Um, I think it would be more him saying something to me, but uh, just go out, go go home and tell him I did it, Dad. Uh, went out there and played at a high level and um, gave him my all. So which touchdown did you lose the necklace on? It was uh, the I think it was the second passing one when I ran out the flat, uh, ran out the backfield on a flat uh, in the end zone opposite of the tunnel. So I was on the like the right side of the field. Oh, so it's uh, it's a little black football, and uh, inside it has my dad's ashes. And then they found it. I saw you tweeted today that one of the, not the groundskeepers, one of the equipment managers found it today. No, the trainer cool Brian Engel. Trainer, his nickname you got is Flea. Yeah, Brian Engel. His nickname is Flea. You hear him referred to all the time. He's nicknamed after the base. He looks like the base player from. the the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Frankie Winters named him that back in the 90s. This dude was out there in the rain at 1 o'clock in the morning, walking around Lambeau Field looking for that. Damn. Then first thing this morning, got back in when the sun was up and found it in the end zone where he'd done that Lambeau leap and was able to return that locket with his dad's ashes to him. And this is why, by the way, you know, when Charles Woodson got inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame, that's the guy he had introduce him. Really? Flea, the trainer, yeah. Because he said, this is such a solid dude. This guy kept me, you know, together those four or five years in Green Bay. Um, and I was so appreciative of what he did in the training room for me to extend my career. That's the guy I want to have at my induction. It was pretty crazy listening to Aaron Jones in the postgame last night. And I've heard pressers with him before, but 
him just speaking to Lisa Salters after the game, his demeanor, and he comes from a military family, so we know his background, but he's just so nice, so genuine, so well-spoken. I just, I love Aaron Jones so much. I do, too. <laughs> he's, he's always been straightforward, hardworking. Look at the progress he's made in the last three or four years in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. From a running back to a better running back to a receiver to a target like last night to a total weapon, you know? And, and and even in pass protection as well, um, nobody works harder than that kid. And he, he knows the X's and O's as well. Yeah. He's such an important part of this offense and a part that they will need against San Francisco this weekend. Do you have any gut feelings about what that game might look like before I let you go? What are you thinking about next Sunday? Well, I, you know, uh, the 49ers defensive front is one of the best. Um, I think that, you know, the Lions uh, – the Lions played hard last night, and mm-hmm. I think they did a lot of positive things. But like I say, they had two rookies out there, and yeah. then they lost one of them, that Fitu Melifonwu, that number 26, was doing a good job of covering Devante, Devante, or, yeah, Devante Adams in the first half. So, you know, you're going to get a lot more competition in San Francisco on Sunday night, um, and it will be a challenge for Josh Myers and Royce Newman. You know, those young guys on, on that offensive line to protect Aaron Rodgers. And then the other thing is, it, is this defense really up to the task of stop, stopping whatever running game the 49ers have got right now? I know that they're, they're short on running backs as well. But, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. That's a lot of good physical football players on there with Nick Bosa and company. And so the Packers will really have their work cut out for them. This will be in no way this will reflect – when you know playing the 49ers last year because they had all those guys in IR. And I hope it doesn't reflect the games from two years ago either. I'm hoping that this is the third or the fourth time now will be the magic charm for the Packers in, in Santa Clara. Well, Mike, enjoy the trip to California. Enjoy the Packers game, and I hope we're finally talking about a Niners win next week. Thanks for the time, as always. Uh, thank you, Grant. We'll keep you posted, man. Of course. Mike Clemens. Thank you, Mike. On Twitter, Mike Clemens NFL. Let's take a quick break. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Any of your last thoughts on the talk and text line, 608-796-2558. We'll wrap it up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> 